provisional coin. Game on, everybody. It's the throwback. Yeah, Jake Seeley, Brad Ziegler here with you guys as always at Brad Ziegler. Follow Brad at Holland Kid for myself. A reminder that baseball, as we were talking about before the show, well, depending on when you're listening to this, baseball starts tomorrow if you're listening to this on Wednesday. If you're waiting till Thursday, it starts today. If it's after that, then, well, it's already started. So there you go. Uh, the rankings projections by myself, DVR, Eno. Uh, Michael Beller is involved with Fantasy Football Draft Kit, getting the insights from all the beat writers. So whichever draft kit you need help with, whether it be both or right now, if you go to the bottom of any of the articles, it's 40% off. So don't miss that. Uh, like I told you guys, this is why you don't waste any time. I told you guys the 50% was going away. I don't know how long the 40% is going to be around. So take advantage of it while you can. Uh, Brad, this is a look, it's kind of a slow news week, but this is kind of what we're going to be seeing here. I, I want to get one thing off the top, though is we do have a piece of NFL news and that there is no pre it's not official yet but there's no preseason the NFLPA kept pushing back that they want to know they said two games for the NFL and then they said one game and now they're willing the NFL came back to the NFLPA and said all right we'll do zero preseason games so that looks like that's going to happen uh, whether or not what are the other you know money details whatever but zero preseason does that do anything to players for your drafts because you know me i've said since day one Clyde edwards hilaire is no longer an rb1 for me now he's still in high-end rb2 and i think he becomes an rb1 after a few weeks but i think it also impacts the robbie anderson's of the world the brashard perriman's not, not that they were going to go super high brad but anybody who's changing teams in addition to the rookies i do think we have to ding them now yeah it's i mean I think you have to, and 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 it goes for whole teams too. When you when you have a new coach or a new system being put in place, it's you know unless they unless they ramp their practices up to where they're basically going a hundred percent on some of the days and can try to make it game like it's never going to be the same as as when they're actually going against another team that that is you know not as familiar with the system as what your own defense is so I I definitely think you got to ding them a little bit I've, I've been kind of saying it all along like I, I don't I don't like any of the rookies this year where they're being drafted um, unless you're just throwing a late round flyer on a guy because I, I don't think you can rely on them to to just flat out pick up an offense and go against you know faster faster paced defenses and and more athletic players than they've ever played against in their life before it, it's going to be an adjustment and I think a lot of that adjustment is going to have to have to happen during the season this year as opposed to in, in August and and July like in previous years yeah for sure you know there's like practices whatever it might be you know again this isn't to be like look at he was on my podcast it's just D'Angelo Williams said you know you know you don't draft a player to not play him you know you don't need that much preseason as in player but all that being said is like it still matters a little like that it still comes into play like it doesn't it doesn't matter zero but it's probably not as big as what some people are making out to be like oh my god like rookies are never going to see the field and all these like it, we have to play into it so I agree with you. Like, this is what I said all along. I kept saying, this is going to be something that I will affect my rankings. I did decrease the snap counts early in the season for the player. And then you talked about the coaches, too. So I think one of the bigger ones, I mean, there's small changes. Like, we know Stefanski's in Cleveland, uh, but we know his system. And I don't think it's going to be a sweeping change. It's not like he's going the Browns, that Baker Mayfield in that office. It's not like they're going from one extreme to another. If anything else, even if it's two tight ends, it's probably going to be better than what Kitchens was. I think the biggest one that comes to my mind, Brad, is the Giants because 
it's three people involved now like because we have head coach, head coach, head coach. And I say head coach, head coach, head coach, because Kitchen is the tight end coach who was just the head coach of the Browns. Jason Garrett is QB wide receiver, like offensive coordinator who was just head coach of the cap. Like that one seems like the diciest one of all, because you have Joe judge who's never been a head coach. And then two people who have been, and a lot of different voices in the same locker room for a second-year quarterback and a wide receiver situation, which is none of them have been able to stay healthy outside of Darius Slayton, who just came off a rookie season. Evan Ingram has – like, is the Giants the messiest one to you? Uh, it's It would either be the Giants or the Panthers. And, you know, with a, a college coach moving into the pro ranks, taking an OC from another college and bringing in a brand-new quarterback, that, that to me is the only one that, that would even compare because – um, you know, at least with the Giants, there there is a year of chemistry with Daniel Jones, with those receivers, with Barkley, with Ingram, and and you know they've at least played together. Teddy Bridgewater hadn't thrown to any of these guys until this year, and and so to just to get in sync from a route running perspective, let alone learning a new offense and and an offense that a that a coach is trying to adapt to the NFL, um, I I think that could end up being messy too. And it's I, I love a lot of the players on Carolina. I like a lot of the players on the Giants. Um, especially where they're being drafted, but I, I don't. There's a lot of question marks there, and to me, where where this boils down, it, it, when you're doing a draft, I don't look at this like, oh, I'm not drafting any Giants, I'm not drafting any Panthers. I'm only right. using this as a tiebreaker. If if I have a couple guys ranked similarly, if I'm gonna, I'm looking at Sammy Watkins or Sterling Shepard in the twelfth round of a draft, I'll grab Sterling or Sammy Watkins in that. You know, in that in that choice, just because of the tiebreaker situation, he's in a a good offense. He's been with Mahomes for a couple years now, and there's a lot of of cohesiveness that's that's coming back from last year. That's a bad example because I will never ever ever draft Sammy Watkins even in the wide receiver fifties because he shows up for one game and that's it, Brad. Like I'd rather draft Nicole Hardman. It's (laughs) it's it's possible, and I you know we don't. Yeah, I get that there's, you know, in, in any kind of, I mean, last year, Demarcus Robinson was a wide receiver one a couple weeks, but, you know, you just kind of never know in, in Andy Reid's offense, but you do know that there are points going to be put up. And that's, that's the, the biggest difference there is if I'm taking a shot late, I want a guy who I at least know is in an offense that's going to put up points. I mean, the Chiefs last year, I, I heard a stat the other day, they averaged 36 and a half points a game in the games they lost. That's unbelievable because they're just putting up points right and left, and I want pieces of that offense as opposed to the question marks that come from new head coach, new OC, um, you know, and and you know, like in Carolina's situation, a, a new quarterback. Well, then here's a better one. How about Jameson Crowder versus Sterling Shepard? Um, I'm taking Crowder for just see, and I still same take thing. Yeah, just and, and see that to me is just the it's the consistency of. Yeah, I don't want anybody on an Adam Gase offense, but Crowder was pretty good last year, and he's got a, a pretty good connection with with Sam Darnold. Um, and whereas you know Shepard's just one of three slot receivers on that team, and and you just kind of never know who's going to get the six or eight catches that week. Well, see, the good thing I will say is that when Shepard was out there, it was he was always treated as the number one. So I understand, like you know, obviously things can change with their offenses. So let me go up to one that's kind of more contentious of debate. One that I got, you know, this we talked about when my rankings first came out, but let's come back to it. Is the fact that I don't have DJ Moore even? Well, I say close, but like he's not wide receiver twelve. He's not fifteen. He's down in the seventeen, eighteen, nineteen range. And I'd rather have DJ Chark for what you're talking about. I'd rather have Keenan Allen, who people just want to write off because Tyrod Taylor is now the quarterback. I'd rather have Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper. And you know how much I hate Amari Cooper. It's just 
I love DJ Moore as a talent, but to your point, like I was already hesitant of what Teddy Bridgewater would be, let alone Teddy Bridgewater, new team, as you mentioned, zero chemistry that we know of, uh, zero chemistry in an offense that we don't know what's going to be under Rule and uh, t- uh, Joe Brady. So, yes, there's obviously a ceiling where DJ Moore and Teddy Bridgewater blow up the world and Teddy's a QB1 and DJ Moore's a top 10 wide receiver, but because of what you're talking about, that's where that's just another reason why I think DJ Moore has a lot of risk for pe- where people want to take him. Yeah, and that that's fair. I I'm I'm higher on DJ Moore than you for sure. I mean, I, I've got him in my top eight for the season, and even after I, everything you just said, <laughs> yeah. And and here's the reason: Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think you need a ton of chemistry for the super short routes. That's what Teddy Bridgewater threw a lot of in 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 New Orleans, and he had basically no chemistry with Michael Thomas until he got thrown into the mix and Michael Thomas was still just fine. DJ Moore is way better after the catch than Michael Thomas. So if he can just get him the ball, DJ Moore can make plays and you know, he'll, he'll take, he'll, he'll take a five yard slant route and turn it into a 25 yard gain a lot more than Michael Thomas will. And Michael Thomas is just a a hot, a lot more volume. Um, And I just think, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the upside. I mean, DJ Moore did it last year, getting with Kyle Allen getting getting thrown in there, and being atrocious, other other than a, a couple good weeks, and DJ Moore was still a monster last year, and and so I feel like he's already proven he's he's a little bit quarterback proof. Yeah, I, I will say one thing. I wouldn't say massively better. Don't you disrespect Michael Thomas like that? <laughs> I will say DJ Moore is one of the best, but yeah, I mean, you're talking about like one of the best versus somebody who's still amazing. They're just, they're great at different things. And Michael Thomas doesn't have a whole lot of yak. Whereas DJ Moore. No, he actually does is what I'm saying. He actually does, but he obviously it's not DJ Moore, Tyreek Hill and all By the way, speaking of which real quick, because I know you're a Chiefs fan. Did you happen to see Tyreek Hill versus uh, Terrell Owens in the hundred yard dash? dash. He gave him like a 10 yard head start. (laughs) And he only made up five yards. I will get like T.O. being able to like hold them off from only making it up five yards over it's Tyreek freaking Hill yeah. only losing five yards like someone said me- when they were when they were uh doing their training that T.O. ran a four four forty, and which that, is just I mean, mind-blowing I, at his I, age and surprise he's been out of the game yeah like he it's like if he ran a four four and and you know Tyreek runs a four three five or something then then there's you know he's not gonna be able to make up a whole lot because T.O.'s gonna hold him off so impressive for sure I, I will say that's like I was shocked at that. Like you could tell me that. So by the way, I just pulled it up. So DJ Moore four point five yards after the catch. Michael Thomas three point nine. Michael Thomas twenty first. DJ Moore was fifteenth. So better. I just want to bring up. Yeah. Don't, don't don't you disrespect Michael Thomas. This is a disrespect free I'm not zone disrespecting of Michael, Michael Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's stay in the NFC for this next one. Sean McVay. Look, it's all season. Everybody's in the best shape of their life. Everything looks great. And we all know coaches are going to lie. Uh, if anybody's going to lie, Sean McVay is one of the best at not letting teams know what he's going to do every single week, let alone within a game. That's why he's as good as he is. why he made Jared Goff decent. But he comes out and says this past week. I love how he phrased it, too. Sean McVay can see using that RB committee thing. <laughs> like We hear this, and this comes into play with this whole no preseason because we know Cam Akers has the ability to be at every down back and the talent to be, but he comes in as a rookie who is going to have zero preseason. Darrell Henderson, as despite being a bomb as a rookie himself, still comes in as somebody who is highly touted out of college and had one of the best, you know, offensive usage rates of any running back in the past 10 years of like what he put up yards wise, the percentage of yards he put up for his team. So you have that. You still have Malcolm Brown. You still have other options. And he said that committee thing were all four running backs, which makes it sound like Kelly could be in the mix. 
Uh, what are you thinking now, if you're heading into your drafts, of touching this backfield at all, if anybody? Uh, it's tough. I mean, the, the only guy I would even consider is Akers, because I think at, at some point during the season, talent wins out, but I don't want him where, where he's going. Like, I, he's got to be a, a eighth or ninth round pick. I mean, I'd take Darius Geis over him. Um, if, if that's, and I don't know how their ADPs line up, but it's probably not too far apart. Well, you should. And, we're talking about it today. We're talking about RBA. <laughs> yeah. And so, that's, just so, I mean, guys, okay. So guys is two spots in the running backs ahead of Cam Akers. Um, yeah. and I like, I'm, I'm definitely taking guys, guys, I would take Damian Williams ahead of him and he's, he's two spots below Cam Akers. Um, just because almost when Damian Williams later. is healthy, he's, he's been good. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, it's funny because when he says he said it kind of like that running back by committee thing as if like oh yeah we're gonna try that thing that other people have done and like it's it's not like he's sold on it right and you know like he, he's not like it's, it's he's not pounding it it's just kind of like oh we're just throwing this out there that's he's looking for somebody to take the lead role um and that's what he's comfortable with he's had Gurley there and and when Gurley was healthy he rode Gurley He's, I think he wants to do that again, but he just doesn't know right now who that's going to be because they haven't been able to be on the field as much as they want. All right, so let me ask you one that's kind of a mix of everything. Uh, so it's a mix of new quarterback with his team, but same offense. Uh, somebody who's going, let's see, 30, wow, yeah, 30 spots. No, 20 spots. Oh, my math is off. Too many numbers. I told you all these projections and damn <laughs> sheets I've been on. So 20 spots, almost three rounds worth of overall later uh cam Akers or ronald jones oh man i'm i'm probably going wide receiver at that point well, um, that, that's like, not <laughs> what i'm asking you <laughs> no i can't cam, cam, cam Akers not, in the sixth so or will, ronald jones in the ninth i will say this i i am very leery of the weight gain that was reported about ronald jones because he he doesn't come across to me like a guy who would would be able to handle 15 more pounds of weight on like I think it's going to slow him down he already wasn't a great pass catcher I know he's been catching the jump well, maybe this just helps him with his pass doing, blocking yeah, maybe maybe he doesn't get run over by a linebacker now and he's able to stay on the field with Brady but I, I at that point I'm probably taking acres because I I trust that offense a little bit more than I trust Tampa right now well, and I mean, you can look at it as everybody's talking about like the upside of him is the LeGarrette Blunt role. So maybe he only gets 800 yards, but he gets 14 touchdowns and maybe that's what he's hoping for. I mean, they, hey, look, I want to say it's not in the back of his mind, possibly. So, all right, let's go to the Colts. So they, they gave out a little bit of news, too. As I said, it's soft news season, but there's little blips here and there. Uh, the offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, but for everybody out there who doesn't know who he is, uh, T.Y. Hilton is this is the quote is who this pass offense runs through. I don't think anybody out there, Brad, is sitting there like, oh, what a shock. T.Y. Hilton's the number one option when healthy in this offense. But hearing that, I've been on the train for since people started drafting two months ago that T.Y. Hilton is the most one of the most underrated draft values at wide receiver this year because he's going as a wide receiver three. And now, even with his like worst seasons of Amari Cooper likeness, he was still finishing as a wide receiver one where in, I say Amari Cooperness because he had four, five, single-digit, 4.5, point games, and you lived with it because T.Y. Hilton was still putting up wide receiver num one numbers and won you weeks. I'm not saying he's going to be a wide receiver one, but to be a wide receiver three, healthy with Phil Rivers coming into town, like I don't understand why nobody wants to draft T.Y. Hilton this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it just boils down to injury risk and, and a new quarterback who, let's be honest, looked awful a lot of last year. So um, there's... 
I, I do think he's a, a little bit of an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. And if T.Y. is on the field, I mean, obviously it makes sense. The, the One thing that you do get a lot of this time of year is coaches making sure that their stars feel respected because you don't want to have camp turmoil. And so if T.Y. Hilton is asked about and everybody knows he's the number one on the team, the coach is going to say something to make sure that T.Y., if T.Y. sees the quote, he feels respected. And so, yeah, I mean, but who else... Look, look at who else they have. Who else would you run the passing offense through there? Is it, right. I mean, Naheem Hines? Like, he might be the second best receiver on this team. So, it, it's it's possible that, I mean, I I, I hope, I hope uh, Michael Michael Pittman, um, you know, ends up ends up being really good. But we don't know exactly what he's going to be. And it might, there might be some adjustment period for him being the rookie. So, it, there's just no one else there. And at that point, I, I'm, I love T.Y. Hilton if he's healthy, but he just hasn't proven it the last few years. And so it, it just makes me nervous, you know, taking him now where, where you're taking him. If he's your wide receiver three or wide receiver four on your team. Yeah. There's a ton of upside there because he could finish as a top 12 wide receiver. Um, you know, we saw Keenan Allen do that last year for Phillip rivers and, and that was when Phillip rivers was terrible. So it's definitely still in the range of outcomes that the rivers can support a wide receiver one. Hilton's got the skill set, Um, and, and there's a lot less risk, you know, you're not when you're, when you're drafting him in the thirties. Yeah, well, in the 30s, he's actually in the 50s right now. And that's what I was saying. It's like, I, I was going to say, I'll I take mean, him as, as wide, wide receivers. Yeah. As wide oh, receivers. okay. Yeah, I'll take him as a wide receiver, too, if I have three running backs already. Like, there's an occasional draft where I went like that because usually T.Y. Hilton and I follow up T.Y. Hilton with like a Devontae Parker or Robert Woods or Terry McLaurin or something like that. So it's, you sure. know, you're kind of, kind of getting almost those two wide receiver twos. It's, it's all drafts are going to be different. But the fact that he's going at that discount is just unbelievable to me. So. I want to talk about a team today that was on the docket to talk about last week. We didn't get to is the team itself, the Texans, because good God, like at least, you know, they don't have that kind of like the offensive rookies too much involved here. I mean, we do have David Johnson coming in who hasn't been with this team, but it's more about the passing game because DeAndre Hopkins is gone. So everybody's sitting here thinking, all right, we got to find where the value is. And obviously everybody immediately goes to Will Fuller, which is just crazy because all people want to remember about Will Fuller is the good games. They don't remember the bad. And they don't even remember, the, like, the, it was just because the games came in succession. And then don't forget that, like, you forget the injuries. Just, like, also disappeared for long periods of time, even before that, Kaiser. So, at best, Will Fuller is Amari Cooper, maybe, potentially. Is that what we're kind of hoping for? But, he, like, there's more than just, like, let's say Will Fuller finishes as a top 15 wide receiver. Let's put that in stone, Brad, as of today. Like, we're not saying that, but let's just put that out there. There's still more here. Like, he could do that, and we're still looking for value. Where are you going? Because I, like, you know how I feel about this. I've said I think Randall Cobb could lead this team in receptions and yards, and it, I don't think that would be a shock. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest, like, I, I think David Johnson might lead this team in receptions. It's, it's, <laughs> I think, let's put it this way I think he could be second. If Cobb leads the team, I could see that. But Wait, I think so David you're Johnson saying he's playing 15 games? Yeah, I, I mean, if, if he's healthy, I really don't right. think he, he lost a whole lot. What, when we saw him last I don't year, know. he was playing hurt. Okay, and I was going to say, did you see that run that everybody loves to clip from the Buccaneers game where he's walking sure. to the line of scrimmage? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's playing hurt at that point. And, but when you know the first couple of games of the year, he was really good. And so it, I think there is potential there, and I think they're going to want to showcase him. I, I do like Randall Cobb at the draft slot. I like David Johnson at the draft slot. Um, but I'm not touching Brandon Cooks. I'm not touching Will Fuller. Um, the tight ends are a mess. I mean, even in a, a two tight end or or tight end premium, 
I mean, Darren Fells is like the the 35th tight end off the board. Like they, you just you just don't mess with that. And I, I'll tell you who it makes me nervous for is Deshaun Watson because he's still being drafted as a top five quarterback, and I have a really hard time seeing that. Like I, the only thing I could I could say, rushing. yeah, there there is rushing upside there for sure. And there, but their O line has to get better. If they're as bad as they were last year, then he's it doesn't matter. He's running for his life, and they they he has the escapability to, to turn that into positives, but I don't know that he has receivers that are going to get open. Like he could force the ball to Hopkins last year and, and the last seven years or however long, four years that Watson's played and he could force the ball to Hopkins and Hopkins would make catches that he's, he doesn't have that guy this year. That guy is not on the roster anywhere. And so Randall Cobb, that's why I like Randall Cobb. I, but I don't. I don't think he can force the ball to Cobb and trust that Cobb's going to make a contested catch. Like, like he. Could oh, he contested catch. I was thinking. Okay, I, I was thinking more of the guy that can freelance and get open quickly when things potentially. Yeah, and and it's it's very possible. And we'll, I you know even from a red zone threat perspective. I mean, Randall Cobb's small. Brandon Cooks is small. Will Fuller maybe, but a lot of Will Fuller's touchdowns when he was scoring a lot of them were big plays. They weren't red zone receptions. Right. I don't know who they go to. Like I, it just. It just makes me nervous that Watson's not going to be able to duplicate what he's done in the past, and I. But he's being drafted as if he's the same guy, and I. That's that makes me nervous. I'm I'm dropping lower in quarterback at that point. All right. So how many quarterbacks are you taking before you get to Deshaun Watson, and your ranks? Oh, let's see. I mean, we know Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, right? I'm. I'm gonna say I'm taking him as maybe like my QB seven. All right. So, so you're taking Dak. I'll take. Jackson Mahomes, I'd take Prescott. Um, right. I would take Kyler. I would take Russell Wilson. Okay. And probably Matt Ryan. Wow, Matt Ryan. Yeah, I'd he, take Ryan over Watson. I just think there's the volume in that offense is going to be insane, especially with, with Gurley there now who, you know, can catch passes, kind of like having Freeman when he was healthy. See, I, I can't. I can't. And I understand that, but I can't. I'm kind of off the Ryan Breeze, Brady guys this year, that like entire trio because sure. it's it's all on their arm like where we are now I mean I'm looking right now at my top seven quarterbacks so I'm including Josh Allen they're all rushing for around 300 yards or more and the yeah. lowest person is like Patrick Mahomes who's not even at 300 like <laughs> and that's the thing we also we also know that Patrick Mahomes is going to throw eight billion yards and touchdowns but like that's really what it comes down to is Murray 500 Deshaun Watson 500 I mean Deshaun Watson 450 but five rushing touchdowns because he's going to go in himself Uh, obviously I think the biggest issue for you to me on Deshaun Watson is you mentioned it the offensive line if like he's out there and he can't even run like he used to and he's only rushing for 350 or 400 and then it gets in the end zone three or four times I mean you just just knock Deshaun Watson down like right out of this tier so I understand your point about that I just I have a little bit more confidence in the fact that Deshaun Watson's kind of like Cam Newton and built that way and that he's not going to stop and nobody's going to stop him when he decides to run so again I'm not full this quarterback too this is why we keep preaching super flex I mean the difference is you know Matt Ryan throws 35 touchdowns instead of 32 touchdowns, and he is QB5. I mean, that's really what it's right. going to come down to. And in, in reality, like, if it came down to – if I was at this point in the draft and I'm like, oh, I need to – I might need to grab a quarterback here, I'd probably take Watson over Ryan. Um, but I, I I think there's a lot of reason to think that Ryan could finish higher than Watson in the standings at the end of the year. 
And see, and to your point, uh, the good thing is, you know, Sean Watson's still going around QB5. Matt Ryan, depending on what your draft is, he might be in the 12th round. He might be the 14th quarterback. Like, if people have that rushing upside mentality and they're taking Cam Newton and Daniel Jones in front of him still, I mean, you might even see people going, the Daniel, like, oh, I'm going to get this year's Josh Allen and take Gardner Minshew. Like, you know how I like Gardner Minshew, but I still have Gardner Minshew down at QB16. I'm not taking it in front of Matt Ryan. Sure. But the point being is that you might be able to get Matt Ryan super cheap just like that year in 2016 where he was what QB2 that year so right and know. and in reality more likely what happens is if, if I'm down to this point in the draft and I need to grab a quarterback I probably wait another round and then I I just drop down just to the next wait, tier wait wait, wait. <laughs> and yeah and because I like I mean Ryan Tannehill's going off what the 20th quarterback or so and I would more than be more than happy to have Tannehill as a starter on a lot of my teams because I think he's going to be pretty good. I don't think he's going to duplicate last year, but if we thought he was going to duplicate last year, you're talking a top two or three quarterback in the league. And so I'm not saying that, but I think he could easily be a QB one and you can get him in, you know, the 10th round of a draft and, um, or, or in a super flex, maybe the sixth round of a draft. And I, I would be more than happy to just keep waiting and grab him there. Or you can, so he's actually, he's QB 17, 130 overall right now on fantasy pros. So 11th round ish. Uh, here's the thing you wait till this long, you could double tap and still get Roethlisberger, Tannehill, Goff, Burrow, Garoppolo. Daniel Jones is at 111 if you want to grab him there. But Cam, obviously, he'll start moving up. But I mean, you could, Baker Mayfield's at 109. Matthew Stafford, actually, here's all the guys after 108 is Stafford, Matt Mayfield, and then all those guys I mentioned. So you could just keep waiting and waiting and waiting and then just double tap two of them late. Sure, sure. That, I mean, it makes total sense. And I, that's, that's probably what I do is I, I, I mean, I waited. I, I will say in Scott Fishbowl, I grabbed Kyler Murray early, early, but I waited and waited and waited and I got Bridgewater late. And then I didn't take another quarterback after that because he, you know, yeah, there's a little bit of an advantage to having a quarterback in your super flex spot. But if if during a bye week or whatever, I'm more than happy to, to throw a running back or wide receiver in that spot. I didn't feel like I had to have three quarterbacks. And it, I just think a lot of times because of how, how well you can do taking quarterbacks late, there's just not incentive for me to, to just go overboard with it like a lot of other people do. Oh, yeah. But you know who my third quarterback was? You, you know he's my favorite wait until the very end quarterback. You, you should be able to guess at this uh... point. Sam Darnold. No, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Go look at my tweet about Dwayne my Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. Yes, yes, yeah. 100% Dwayne Haskins. If you missed yeah. my Sam Darnold tweet this morning about like you know the whole fail train dating experience, it was so worth it. I, so this girl on her profile, she has a Jets jersey on. She's in front of you know the Giants state. Well, what is it? Whatever MetLife Stadium now. And sure. one of her prompts says, "If you." What does it say? I bet you can't use an original pickup line. I haven't heard. So I said it. And I said, if you throw out your number like Darnold, they'll make sure it's intercepted. And so she sent back <laughs> the middle finger emoji and the peace emoji. But it was totally worth it. It was 100% yeah, totally worth it. Worth it. I, yeah. I wouldn't even call that a fail. Like, that's just I, it, it was just too much fun. Because here's the positive side of it, Brad. If she came back and like laughed, I would have said, oh, she has a good sense of humor. If she joked back, it would have been even better. So like. I, you know, I also like found out it's a good thing. She doesn't even have a sense of humor. So good. You know, it worked out. Um, speaking of ADP, let's get to running backs. We did quarterbacks this week. Let's do running backs this week. Uh, we started with too high last week. We'll start with too high again. At running back, we'll say we'll start RB1. Is there, because it's hard to say RB1s, they're going in the first and second round, and it's often hard to call those players bust in general. But is there one, in, you know, is there an RB1 right now that you don't think deserves to be an RB1, Brad? Uh, 
No. I I have I maybe the order you could r- rotate around a little bit, but as far as you're just taking the top 12 or I mean, assuming we're looking at the same list here down to Miles Sanders, yes. I I am that's here, that's I'll my rattle top them 12. all for everybody real quick. It's McCaffrey, sure. Barkley, Elliott, Camaro, no shock there. Cook, Henry, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, and that's your top 12. Yeah, there's I'm not there isn't anybody below them that I'm moving up ahead of any of those guys. I there's I would shift the order on those me. some, but I I'm good with those 12 for sure. There's one for me and there's one that would kick out not Miles Sanders. I'd actually put Miles Sanders in the top 10. Uh, I think it like I have him at like 9 or whatever, bump down Aaron Jones and then I would kick out Kenyon Drake for Chris Carson. Uh, I don't look half PPR full point PPR. I don't care. I don't understand the hate for Chris Carson and I understand the love for Kenyon Drake, but I'm going to keep going back to this time and again, Brad, you know this, this is three games and three games of like starting. Not don't take I'm not taking the three games before he got traded and including those games. So just after he was traded, three of his games made up almost 60% of his fantasy production. Again, I'm not saying he can't flatten that out. I'm not saying he can't be more consistent. I'm not saying he can't finish his top 10. It's just a lot for me to invest. You, we talked about it at the top of the show. You're investing in a, te- a player that's been half a season with the team, and granted, his offense not changing. So there is rapport there. There's a, but it's also a player that we've never seen over a full season, like Lamar Miller, who came from those Dolphins before, and Chris Carson, who just continually puts up RB1 numbers year after year after year. And unlike past years, he has zero competition. He has a rookie behind him in DJ Dallas because Rashad Penny's not healthy. So... That's the uh, one Carlos swap Hyde, I would make. But yeah, and I would put Carlos Hyde over DJ Dallas in their in their pecking order. But also, I, I I completely get that. I like Chris Carson a lot. I think it's it's the health concerns. No one has seen him even work out after the the hip injury, and we That's just fair. want to know that he's healthy. And if he's healthy, yeah, he. I think I just think there's some risk injury risk baked in there. He if also you knew a, he was you know, 100%, would you take him over Drake? Yeah, yeah, I probably would. But there's also the one thing about Carson that I. I got leery about at the end of the year if they were starting to move Penny into that that role because of the fumbles. He fumbled all, like once a game, and if that starts happening again, they may just say, "You know what? We're tired of this. We're moving the ball to Carlos Hyde," and and Russell Wilson might make that call himself. I don't know. Like he he might just be sick of of turning the ball over to the other team. So, um, but if that's something I feel like that can be addressed, and it hasn't been addressed to this point, but maybe this offseason is being addressed. And if it is if it is addressed, then yeah, I've got no problem with Carson as a top twelve guy. All right, that's fair. All right, so let's start to dig a little bit deeper in the RB twos. Is there an RB two that you don't think deserves to be there? Uh let's see. Uh, Singletary. Right, I'll Dev- Singletary. Devin Singletary. So yeah, I'll, I'll give everybody the RB twos. It starts with Eckler, Fournette, Carson, who I just mentioned, Edwards, Hilaire, Gordon, Gurley, Bell, Connor, Ingram, Singletary at twenty two, David Johnson, and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I. Singletary is out of that group for me for sure. I don't even know if I'd put him in my top 30. I just don't, I don't <laughs> like any of the running backs in Buffalo this year. I think there's going to, I truly do think it's a RBBC. And I think the best running back they have is Josh Allen. And that makes me nervous for, for the statistics for any of the, the running backs. Um, I, I would take him out of there. The guy that I would probably put in there, um, I'd, I'd put Darius Geis in my RB2 slot, even though I don't have to draft I him like there. It. I think he's going to finish there. Yeah, you know I love Darius guys, so I have no problem with that. I'm with you. Uh, Singletary, I, I have in the low 20s uh, around like Cream Hunt, David Montgomery range. Uh, and, like We've talked about it, this before with Devlin Singletary. We did this when the rookie situation came and they drafted Moss. Is 
is better than Frank Gore at this point of his career, even being a rookie. It's just, and then Josh Allen's going to run for touchdowns. Devin Singletary was never going to be the touchdown guy anyway. I think that, if anything, I, and I'm pretty sure you agree with me, obviously, if you don't like him here, is that Singletary never should have seen the boost before the draft, like the, the real draft. Like Singletary should have stayed where he is. Is That's this middle 20s, maybe low 20s running back because it's fine. That's who he is, and that's that's fine. That you know, Not every running back is built to do more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, if they, if they are smart, I mean, they brought in, um, Stefan Diggs and that, that should open up the running game a little bit more. It's a good running offense. Um, but I, I just think the volume is not going to be there for Singletary because when you have, it's kind of like, so Mark Ingram is, is the running back right ahead of him. I would put Ingram 10 slots ahead of Devin Singletary because I, I have seen, even though Ingram's in the same, a similar situation with the rushing quarterback and not a high volume passing offense, I have seen Ingram still put up a 1200 yard season yeah. in that offense. And Singletary is not anywhere close to that to me. And, and Ingram can catch and Mark the ball. Ingram's going to put up the touchdowns. Right, right. It's yeah, it's, there's yeah I I don't I don't understand how those guys are back to back I think a lot of people are scared of Ingram because of of J.K. Dobbins, um but I for they're, 2020 it's, it's not Gore. even close to me they're 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 afraid of being held left the ba- being left held, holding the bag is like they don't yeah. want to be you, you oh, want to get out one year early yep. as opposed to one year late yeah and which in a situation like Mark Ingram I'm with you is just if everybody's gonna start panicking this early which I say early because Mark Ingram's still not that old everybody. 15 touchdowns, five in receiving. To take away all the receiving touchdowns, he still scored 10 times. And for everybody that talks about, like, and I'm not saying you, as in Brett, I'm saying everybody that, you know, the Chiefs offense, oh, they're going to score so much. You're talking about the best rushing offense that's going to score a ton, too. I want the running back and the starting running back until otherwise said is Mark Ingram. I, I, you know, I, I've already gone on to this. Leonard Fournette being a fringe RB1, get the hell out of here. I can't do it. Like Chris Thompson, they're still talking about looking at Devontae Freeman. It, like, the fact that they signed Chris Thompson, the fact that they were giving Rykel Armstead touches, the fact that they're still considering Devontae Freeman in rumors, and I don't think that happens now, like just why. But the point being, what more do you need to be told that they're not enamored with Leonard Fournette and he's gone after this year and he's just not going to get 100 targets? Like, I would yeah. be surprised if he got 60. The the way Fournette, yeah, he won't get 100 targets again. But the way Fournette, I could see Fournette being a very similar case as Kenyon Drake last year, where he's he's not that great early in the season. He gets traded midseason, has a new spark, goes to an offense that needs a running back. And all of that. a sudden, he he is a monster from like week seven on. And I, because he's he's got the talent. I mean, he was a fourth overall pick in the draft. There's it's almost, yeah, it's almost seventeen hundred yards last year. I don't hate Leonard Fournette as a player at all. Right. It's just that yeah, and Jacksonville is doing everything they can to to tank for Trevor. And so it, I it almost just, feel like dude, we go back to the dating thing, Brad. I almost feel like it's in the relationship you're trying to get the other person to break up with you. Like I kind of feel like that's what the Jack like they're kind they're kind of yeah, wanting they're, Fournette they're to be like hoping he asked out. for a trade. And yeah. the fact that he hasn't asked for a trade yet, they're like, dang it, what else we got to do? <laughs> so, like, go away we, we really don't want you uh i am um, look look jonathan taylor at 24 i'll throw that one out there too i love jonathan taylor but the rookie situation and again like marlon mack and we talked about this show you just brought on this episode naeem hines is going to be the pass catcher and t- actually to consider like the source here is like very similar to leonard fournette jonathan taylor's a dump off pass catcher he's a better pass catcher than people realize but he's not Eckler. He's not Chris Thompson. He's not even Naheem. Like he's not going to be that kind of pass catcher. Like again, yeah, he's like thirty he, or forty targets in a season. Like he's yeah, not, he's not going to get be, 70, 80 targets. 
right. He's not even Miles Sanders, which is what I was going to say is the hope for Jonathan Taylor, who, again, I love Jonathan Taylor. He was in my tier one of rookie running backs. But that second half of the season impact, you don't pay RB24 to get that. You let somebody else take that and then wait. The good thing about here's what I say. And then Pat Mayo brought this up to me, Brad, is the difference between Taylor and Hilaire. And we'll even include DeAndre Swift is DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor are only costing you fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. So the owner, after three weeks of frustration, will be willing to get, you know, like any trade offer, get some help, get them off their team. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, if he's still going around three, that owner is not going to likely trade you Clyde Edwards Hilaire because they're going to hold on longer because they invested a third round pick. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and yeah, I mean you look at this this group and and it's just it's just a mess of older guys that, you know, you feel like it's, I feel like a lot of them, even if they're younger than him, they're in the same boat as Mark Ingram, where, I mean, I feel like Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell could all just collapse. James Conner, we don't know. I like James Conner and I think the Steelers like James Conner, but he's got health issues and, and they did, you know, bring in McFarland and they, there's a chance that he could, um, you know, at least take some passing work from him because last year we all thought that was going to be, um, tell me that what's the H back's name? I'm losing drawn a for, blank in Pittsburgh for Pittsburgh. Or yeah. The, Benny Snell or Jalen Samuels. Or Samuels. You said H- so, yeah, Samuels. So we, we all thought Samuels was going to be the guy last year whenever Connor got hurt and Samuels was a zero all year. And so they're, I think they're looking for, and that's, and pass catching is not Benny smells, Benny smells forte. So I think, I think there's a, a pretty good chance that, that McFarland does eat into some, some passing work for Connor. Um, but I like I would take Connor ahead of Gordon Gurley and Bell um, solely because I I just think those guys are are about to tip over the edge of the cliff. Um, similar to Mark Ingram, I just Ingram was used a lot less earlier in his career than those other guys were, so I don't think he has quite the the same tread on the tires. Even though he had really productive seasons, he was always in in split backfield, dual backfield situations. Yeah, I I could definitely see that. All right, so on the positive side of things, uh, and this doesn't have to be anywhere. Particular. Do you have somebody that you're looking at their ADP and you're like, "Woo, that's way too low." I'm taking all of him in my drafts. Um, Ingram and Geis are are in that category for me. Damian Williams is in that category for me. Um, part and part of the reason, one thing that people, I think people try to project a whole season and that's how they draft. And I don't draft that way. I draft to win early in the season because I want to be in the playoffs. And if I'm starting the season zero and three because I'm taking, you know, a, a Jonathan Taylor or a you know, how Philip Lindsay or Chase Edmonds, like guys that might break out later in the year, but they're not the starters to start the season. You, you could end up starting in a hole if you're drafting these guys that the other counterparts for them. And, and then you're digging out of a hole all year and you're like, crap, what can I do with my team? You know, especially in deep leagues, like, you know, Scott Fishbowl or whatever you, you can't grab guys off the waiver wire very easily to, to plug into your starting lineup. So I want the guys who I think are starting at the beginning of the season. And so that's why I'm really high. I think Geis is going to be the starter. Yeah, he's got some injury concern, but he's also got RB1 upside if he's healthy all year. Um, and I, Damian Williams is the same way to me. He's had injury issues, but when he's productive, he never, when he started, when he was healthy last year, he did not have a single game that he was healthy and played the whole game that he finished below RB16 on the season. And he's being drafted as the RB32 and people are just assuming Edwards Allaire at the the 16 spot, which I love long term. He's my 101 in Dynasty. It's not that I don't like him, but for 2020, I want Damian Williams because he gets my team off to a better start to start the season. 
Yeah, and you know, again, I go back to it. The, the thing is, is about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Damian Williams, because Damian Williams is going at the discount, you could just draft both. And I know like, you don't want to a lot of times deal with that kind of situation, but I mean, go back to the Eagles. If you started out with Jordan Howard and took Miles Sanders at cost and was patient with it, I mean, you won. You got Jordan Howard for his good games, and then you got Miles Sanders as an RB1 down the stretch. So it could definitely work out. And if anything else, again, you could flip Damian Williams to somebody else if you maybe loaded up a running back and you're smart and you think ahead before and try to predict when the change is going to happen. So, like, there's options here. You could definitely look at it for that. Um, I'm going to dig even deeper than you did. Uh, Not to be like, ha-ha, look at me. But I just mentioned his name. Jordan Howard's going to pick almost 100. I don't yeah. like you know this, Brad. I don't like Jordan Howard because he's not special, and like I, I don't want to disparage Jordan Howard. It's just like, but he's Tevin Coleman, straight line runner. Like he takes what's given. Actually, Tevin Coleman probably has a little bit more wiggle than Jordan Howard does. He's not a great pass catcher. We know that Tevin Coleman's a better pass catcher. We know like he struggles with that. We've seen the highlights. And to be that being said, he's not that much worse than Leonard Fournette. People just it's highlighted because it was the you know at the five yard line as he's about to go into the end zone and drops it. Like people just remember seeing the really bad situation. All that being said. He is the RB1 for Miami. He is the lead option. He's going to be the goal line option. Jordan Howard was fine as an RB2. To st- I just mentioned it. He started last year. He was an RB2 for the Eagles for a while there. He's at pick 100. Like Brad, he's the leading running back on a team that improved their offensive line that had nobody to run the ball last year. I don't understand. Like I mean, I do and I don't. I get the hate for Jordan Howard, but I don't understand letting him fall all the way to 97. Yeah, it, it, that doesn't make any sense. And and I looking right around that that group, Philip Lindsay's right there next to him, and which is I would criminal. put him in the same category. Yeah, like they those guys are being very undervalued. Um, the fact that Matt Breida is being taken ahead of Jordan Howard that makes me way more nervous because if I if I would never take Breida over Howard, and it does it that doesn't make any sense to me how how in the world he um, they would be taking a third down pass catching back over the guy who's no question the first two down guy. Um, and the goal line guy. Well, it's because of that speed. I don't know if you remember seeing that. Like, fastest running back run in the league last year. I'll give you one more, a little bit behind this. I just mentioned his name. Tevin Coleman's at 110. This is Shanahan's offense. You don't think with this whole Raheem Mostert situation? Actually, forget that. Pretend that never happened, Brad. Forget forget that Mostert demanded more money or a trade. Or like, just throw that out the window. Raheem Mostert, for, it's a short career, but he's been kind of journeyman-ish for his short career and is in the Kyle Shanahan offense last year and blows up when Coleman got hurt. McKinnon got, you're telling me that Tevin Coleman can't just take this job back and that Tevin Coleman can't be the lead option? Again, it's frustrating. That's why I don't invest in a Shanahan offense. But if you're going to let me invest at 110 for Tevin Coleman, I will put Tevin Coleman on 100% of my rosters just for the upside that he takes the job. Yeah, for sure. Because he's And even if he doesn't take the full-time job, he will have it RB1 weeks. doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, he, he's not costing you anything, and he will have RB1 weeks. Like, you could throw him in at your flex, and and he's not going to hurt you, most likely, and he could win you a week. Um, yeah, that's that's criminally low, too. And I, you know, Moser's 28 years old, and and when you you mentioned the, the journeyman thing, like, that's that's why. I mean, we, we basically didn't know much about him until the, the latter half of the season in the playoffs last year. It's all recency bias. It's, we saw him running well in the playoffs and and therefore but people forget Tevin Coleman ran well in the playoffs too and so it, right. it just it just wasn't in the Super Bowl and maybe that's just so 
you know, the last thing people saw football wise. And, and maybe if they saw some preseason games, this would balance out a little bit and we're not going to have that this year. So take advantage of Tevin Coleman being going, you know, going at pick 110, grab him at pick 105 and, and skew the ADP a little bit. Yeah, 100%. I'm looking down here to see if there's anybody else. Um, Handcuff-wise, there's a, you know, Latavius Murray comes interesting. Oh, I'll give one more before we get out of here, just because I've seen people tweeting about him. Uh, because the guy in front of him, we just talked about, look, what if he isn't ever what he used to be? Like, Duke Johnson, I know that the Texans, had, and this is what people are tweeting about, the Texans refuse to let Duke Johnson be more. That's another one. Like they will not give him the workload. They will not treat him as a bell cow. They won't even give him like 18 touches a game. But Duke Johnson, who is now almost undrafted, 151, Brad, like does Duke Johnson deserve to be a little bit higher, like maybe around the Tevin Coleman range, like move Tevin Coleman up, but then put Duke Johnson into those like one teens. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, at that point you're looking at a bunch of handcuffs and, and, I mean, we with David Johnson having some injury risk. I, I, I mean, I would. There are guys. I, I don't have a problem with where he's going. I mean, there's a few guys I'd probably take him in front of. Um, I'd definitely take him in front of Zach Moss, um, just because of the the potential upside. Where I think Moss is is a little bit more of a one trick pony. Um, but I, you know, for me, if I'm looking at handcuffs, I'm going even even way lower, and I'm I'll go down all the way to pick number. 233 the 62nd running back off the board Darrington Evans is has potential to be a a every down back now he's stuck behind Derrick Henry but I've mentioned it before Derrick Henry counting the playoffs last year had over 400 carries and that's that's a lot of wear and tear especially the style that he runs and I'm I would project I have Derrick Henry in exactly zero leagues this year out of the 70 or whatever best balls I've drafted because I don't think he's playing all season and I've grabbed Darrington Evans a ton at the back end of drafts because I think there's a chance that he might end up being their lead back for, for eight, eight or nine games this year um, if, if Henry does get hurt. And, and when you're tr- picking in the 22nd round, there's, there's no risk there. <laughs> I mean, but that's, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, it's super low. I mean, Antonio Gibson's down there far. too. And, if, and Geis, <laughs> you know, Geis has plenty of, of injury risk. Reichwell Armstead, pick 211. We know that we you just sk- talked about how much they don't like one. Leonard Fournette. And you skip past one at 182. A.J. Dillon, Derrick Henry yeah. and Green Bay, if anything happens to Aaron Jones, I mean, let alone he'll probably get the short yard work. And then you mentioned the other one that I like down here, too. Is Oh, actually, two more. Uh, Anthony McFarlane, you mentioned. He's at 215. Uh, somebody else who loves cereal, I found out. Somebody tweeted me yesterday and said, hey, maybe you <laughs> want to help the guy. He tweeted that he wants to try all of the cereals. So I sent him my top 60 cereals on the site. That's Joshua <laughs> Kelly of the Chargers at 250. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And that's, I mean, at that point you're, you're down Kelly. Uh, I mean, even take a flyer on Devonte Freeman down there because he, he may end up getting a spot somewhere. There's just no risk at this point in the draft. And I honestly, one of my favorites that I, I grabbed probably too much of early because it was before the draft, but I like Gus Edwards still. He was really productive last year. He had almost 800 yards rushing for Baltimore as a second running back there. And if JK Dobbins has a little bit of an adjustment issue, they have all kinds of confidence in Gus Edwards to just run him whenever they take Ingram out of the game. And and he if Ingram were to get hurt, which I think a lot of people or or to struggle, it could be a, a Dobbins Edwards committee at some point. And Edwards is picked two sixty two. Like there's last pick of the draft, you can have him for free. You can get him off the waiver wire. Yeah, hundred percent. And what else is for free is the show. But what's not for free? The athletic, but if you want it for almost like free. 
for 40% off. Go to the draft kits. Baseball, if you're ready for that, which is almost here. Hey, it's back, Brad. Something to watch on TV. And then the NBA is coming mm-hmm. back. NHL sport, sports are coming back. Finally. Good grief. Good, because it's been 110 degrees over here. So I need something to stay inside and watch. But at Brad Ziegler, follow him if you need any advice. Uh, he's got 80,000 best ball leagues, so he'll definitely help you there in dynasty <laughs> leagues and all that type of stuff. Uh, I'm at All In Kid. Again, go to the end of the bottom of the article. It's 40% off and check out The Athletic. And we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.